everything in this place was one. I knew what the mountains were thinking and the flowers knew how the music was feeling. Everything was connected. Everything was one. I knew instantly what a lady on the other side of a group of 3,000 people, I knew what she was thinking because we were all connected in the same mind. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. You're listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast inspired by my book about women's experiences of the paranormal. I'm your host, Karina Machado, and I'm so happy that you're spending time with me today. Now to the show. This is part two of a double episode featuring Brisbane psychic medium, Dr. Linda Kramer. Linda, who recently attained her PhD in metaphysics, is an author, psychic medium and near-death experiencer who's been seeing and communicating with ghosts and spirits since she was a toddler. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I encourage you to scroll down to the episode below this one and press play to hear Linda sharing all about her experiences with ghosts, spirits, phone calls from heaven, stowaways and much more. As I mentioned in the introduction to that episode, that show was full of unexplained sounds, chatter and other anomalies, almost as if an alternative conversation was going on in the background to ours. This episode is no different, as you're about to find out. I want to thank the listeners, including Angela, who took the time to write in and share timestamps they noted of some of the most baffling EVPs or electronic voice phenomena in that episode. I'm also looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this show as well. Now, as exciting as all of that is, of course, what really counts here is the story Linda is about to share, which in this episode focuses on her near-death experience in 2001. There's so much to this, from her understanding of the oneness that underpins all life as she spent time in a majestic landscape that she calls home, right through to her intricately detailed life review and meeting with a trio of light beings, as well as an ancestor who was something of a kindred spirit. That's a particularly cool segment of uh, Linda's story. I, I loved that. Stay tuned also until the end as Linda shares her understanding about what really matters in life and how to bring heaven to earth. Anyone who's been listening to the show knows I'm fascinated by near-death experiences because I believe they contain so much wisdom and guidance for how we can learn to live better lives right here, right now, on Earth. Linda's NDE is case in point. Enjoy my conversation with Linda Kramer. Tell us what happened in May 2001. I married a man who, 
He wanted me to marry him, but he didn't want me to do immigration and be a legal immigrant. I think that's enough said just there. So coming up to, <clears throat> after we got married, I had a year to lodge my immigration paperwork. So that would have been August 2001. We had to lodge all my immigration paperwork with proof of relationship, letters from families. It was, you know, they want suitcases full of information to do immigration. So we weren't getting on that well. We, you know, he was going to work. I was studying all day, working on my constitutional rights, learning all the stuff from immigration that they could possibly ask me. Who was the sixth president of the USA? What were their policies? So I was doing all this research at the library, so I would pass all my immigration tests. And he would come home and I'd say, well, look, here's all my forms, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up getting quite ill. I got a head cold that went to my chest, ended up going to bed on the 5th of May and woke up about 2 o'clock and it took me about 10 minutes to just get to the toilet. That's all I could think of. I have to go to the toilet. You know, people say, what are your last thoughts? Does your life go before your eyes? Nothing like that with me. All I could think of was, my God, I'm going to burst if I don't get to the toilet. So I went to the toilet and next thing I know, I'm going to sleep. It was just so calm, which is the scary thing of this because I just thought I was just going to sleep. Next thing I know, I'm floating in the ce I'm near the ceiling in the lounge room and there's paramedics coming through the door, there's police, there's fireies because in America, if you call an ambulance, everybody turns up. It's like they send out the SOS to everybody. So I'm hovering in the lounge room and I looked down and I had no feet under my knees. So where my knees were, it just sort of like disappeared to where my feet should have been. And I'm just happily sitting there content. I was at peace. I wasn't thinking, oh, my God, where's my body? I haven't paid this week's rent. What's this going on? Blah, blah, blah. I was just happy to just sit there and watch these guys go into the bedroom where I was. I saw my husband come out with my, I saw my body on the gurney. They brought me out. One of the things that I did notice was my hair. It appeared to me floating near the ceiling that I had like this gel-like substance through my hair. So they wheeled me out. Then the sheriff was sitting there talking to my ex-husband now I heard the whole conversation I saw what they were writing down on the clipboards I saw his name badge everyone that was in the lounge room I remember today all their names etc they left they turned off the lights and he shut the door and locked it I'm still floating against the ceiling it would have been about 10 seconds the door opened which you know for me now it's like who opened the door because it was locked with a key so the door opens and these things come in. Now, I've, I've, I've got a picture that I drew because they're in my book, which is called Heaven Exposed. So um, the picture that I drew at this point, just so you get an idea, it's this. Yep, yep. So it's like little, <clears throat> what would you call they're like. They're like little orbs. Orbs. So um, there's one, two, three. There's about, what, eight of oh, them here or something? Yeah. There was about eight to 15 of them. Some yeah. of them were about this big. 
Oh, probably a foot across. Basketball. Some of, yeah. some of them were about two inches across. Now, they were spherical where you can see the radius. So they appeared to be like the size of a soccer ball, but they were very dark blue in colour. Some of them were about a foot in diameter. Some of them were only about two inches in diameter and they were all different sizes in between. They were very dark blue, but in the core of them, like if you can imagine the core of the earth, right in the middle of them, it was bright white. Not hurting my eyes, but it was an excruciatingly powerful source of energy. So these things were hovering as they came through the door. They were going up and down, like if you watch a feather when it's in wind, Mm-hmm. It goes up and down in the current. They were all coming in. They hovered around me because I was up against a wall in the corner and they were coming around my face. There was nothing said. There was no communication at all between me and them, but there was definitely communication between themselves because they didn't hit each other. They were like, you know, doing like moving, manoeuvring around each other like they were talking. They were hovering around my head, just checking me out inquisitively, I think. They stayed for about, oh, God, minutes, just hovering around me and I'm looking through them because I could see through them and I could see the source of their energy in the middle, like a bright white light, um, but they were just so dark and they, they shimmered like a sparkler. If you can imagine a sparkler that you light, that was what they were looking like. But they don't have those end bits. If you look at it, they didn't have that bit coming out at the ends. It was just that orb. So whatever they were, I have no idea. But then they floated out of the door and then the door shut again. Then I call it the fog stage because it was like a void. The only way I can explain it is if you close your eyes, you know where you're sitting in what room you're in. But when you open your eyes, imagine now you're sitting on the top of one of the pyramids in Giza. There's no physical feeling of transporting. You don't get like a wind or, you know, when you move, you don't have any of that. You're there and then instantly we're in a totally different place. So I call it the fog stage. Other people call it the void. So I'm up against the ceiling in my lounge room. I go into like this fog, which is like closing your eyes. When I opened my eyes, I was in heaven. I'm standing in this field of absolutely stunning flowers. I can't explain the colours because of our colour spectrum here. It's not the same. People ask me how long I was in this field for, and I reckon I was there for years. The mountains in the distance, I cannot tell you how grand and magnificent. They, you know, we have, what's how big is um, Mount Kosciuszko here in Australia? 3,000 feet or whatever it is, 30,000 feet. You know, we're talking mountains that go up five, ten kilometres. We're talking about buildings where the bricks alone are 15 foot long. You know, you cannot fathom the grandeur of the structures that they have there. The people there weren't too concerned with me because there was heaps of people. I saw animals of all different types. 
I, I keep talking about a bear that I saw. Now, the bears that they have in America, the black bears, they can be anywhere up to about 10 foot high. We're talking bears that are 20 foot, 25 foot tall. Their claws are a foot long, just their claws coming out of their paws. Were they scary? Absolutely not, because everything in this place was one. I knew what the mountains were thinking and the flowers knew how the music was feeling mm. because there was music there. Everything was connected. Everything was one. I knew instantly what a lady on the other side of a group of 3,000 people, I knew what she was thinking because we were all connected in the same, like, mind, okay? So I stayed there for a very extremely long time. You know, I can tell now, you know, we've been talking for about two hours today. You can tell by the length of our conversation how long that conversation has gone for. Mm. So when I say I was there for years, it's because I'm hearing so many story after stories after stories of how and what everything was. So I was there for an extremely long time. So you were hearing stories <clears throat> there while you were in this place of flowers and animals and That's mountains. right. What kind of stories were you hearing and who was telling them? It was basically the people there with me and the animals and the trees and all the other fauna because everything was talking. Mm. But basically it is a mind blow. That's all I can say. It's an explosion of the brain to fathom what these stories were. I don't generally like telling people because we can't fathom it, you know, but I, I give hints. Some of the stories are eternity, relating to eternity. What is our consciousness and how long we exist for? Do I live, you know, I've lived in this body now for 54 years. Is that all I've ever been? No. Do we have different lives? No. It's called reincarnation because I was there. I'll tell you in a minute about it. But these ones that stay in this field are more than happy to stay there. They think, they create. So instantly, if you want to be in a bright red dress, you're now with no movement, no other, in, you know, it's instant. You're in this bright red dress. If you want long hair, you've got long hair. If you want a short black bob, you're wearing a short black bob. It's that instant. So I was there listening to how all this moves. I had this woman behind me who I can only call, well, I actually don't have a name for her, but I have driven, I've written a picture of her. She kept saying to me, you're only here to observe. You're not staying here. She kept saying it to me like hundreds and thousands of times she said it to me. So I went from that place to my life review. Now, I do have a picture of it, which I'm happy to show. Yes, please. Um, but it's going to be in my book because it is in my book. Here's the three. I call them the big three. Yep. If I stand up, there's me in front of my box of my life. That's great. So, they're in front of me. Okay. Maybe, Linda, uh, I don't know if you're happy for me to share that on the social media once we're promoting the episode. Absolutely. The listeners will be yes. cranky otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a picture of Linda 
Linda's back and she's looking at three towering beings in front of her and behind there is a, a stone wall, I think. Yep. Yep. But you've missed the biggest important yep. one. Yeah. And this right box. Linda, there's a box that is, is it a glow? Is it because you've got little... It was glowing. Okay. So, okay, let's just start there. Yeah. I'm still wearing my pyjamas because I woke up at 2 in the morning and I went to the toilet. So I'm still in my pyjamas at this point, okay? In front of me, this box, people ask me what it is and there's only two words that I can use, Ark of the Covenant. Well, that's four words. Ark of the Covenant type stuff. It glowed with energy. It glowed. That's all I can say. It had this energy emitting out of it. Okay. These these three beings, the one in the middle, the big one, he would have been about 15, 18 foot tall. The two on his left and right were probably about 12 foot tall. So they were massive, you know, compared to me. The wall behind them, the, this room that I was in, bricks were like, oh, gosh, 10 feet, just the width. And then they're 20 foot long. They were made out of stone. There's there's wood planks in this building where, you know, if you imagine a tree, you you cut the tree, you, you put it through the sawmill, you might get a plank of wood that has a width of about three inches by 10 foot. But these planks are like 30 foot is the width. Wow. And then they're 250 feet long. So you can imagine the wood where it's come from. I see these three beings first because I don't know if they're male or female. Yeah, you've not um, drawn that. You can't see their faces, I don't think, from what you've you drawn. Can't. No, I'm they're just swirls, swirls of energy. Yeah. That's right. It was vortexing, going left and right at the same time, counterclockwise and clockwise together at the same time. You, I could make out like a, a head, I could make out shoulders. But then this was like a ray of the energy coming out of their head. So, yeah, that's, that's how I, I drew that about three days after I woke up, by the way. Yeah, that's so that picture's, yeah, that picture's been with me for the last 20-odd years. It's not like I just said, oh, yeah, I'll just draw a picture. So what so, was that box? This is your life review. Yes. So I wasn't told anything because there was no communication between these three and me, but I knew stuff. I knew I had to look into the box. I knew what was in the box. I knew what I had to do when I looked in the box. It was a knowing. So in that box, like on the outside of the box, you can see walls, you can see a depth, you can see the height. I'll bring it in, see? But when you look into it, there's no walls. There's no depth. Right. It's eternal. This is, this is where you get that point of no return with people where they just can't fathom it. So I'm looking into this endless pit is all I could call it because once you look into it, there's no sides or bottom. So I'm looking in there and there's, oh, my God, it's not millions. It wouldn't be billions. It's trillions of these little bubbles with a like a video screen, like a little television screen. So every single one of these bubbles was something that I've done in my life. Now, every second that we live, we have conscious thoughts, we have movements. So every single thing that we do has a bubble in that box. 
So someone who lives 100 years old, can you imagine how many bubbles they've got to sort through? Someone who only lives for like a year, you've still got a year of memories that you've got to go through. So what happens is we pick out a bubble and we watch this TV screen. Then we have to judge ourselves why we did that. So these guys, who I call them the big three, and if you look in the Bible, they talk about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's who those three were. I picked out this bubble. I was about three playing in my grandmother's front yard, and she used to have a white Persian cat. In this memory that I'm watching, I'm pulling the cat's tail. As soon as I pull the tail, I get this excruciating pain in my butt, like a tail, and then I can feel the pain running up my spine towards my neck. So instantly, I'm on the receiving end of my own actions. I'm now the cat feeling what it's like for this other entity called Linda pulling my tail. But it's tenfold. If you look at the Bible, they say tenfold. It is tenfold. The pain of someone pulling my tail was excruciating. It was tenfold. So then I have to sit and look at this memory of how I've hurt this cat and I've got to judge why I did it. So the first thing I thought while doing this process was I was only three. I didn't realise I was hurting the cat. And then you get this understanding because there's no communication with the three. You get this understanding that you've got to forgive yourself for causing that pain to the cat. Then I've got to be on the receiving end where I'm now forgiving myself, who's the cat. And, you know, this is where I talk about karma. You know, people say, oh, karma's a witch. It's going to come after you one day. Karma catches up with everybody. When we sit there and we have to judge ourselves as to why we did every action in our life, that's when we put that perspective on there and we judge and have to forgive ourselves is when we cleanse ourselves and become an unconditional loving person because that's ultimately the goal of doing our life review. It's judging ourselves, forgiving ourselves, and ultimately loving ourselves for everything we did. So I looked in that box, I saw myself at three, I saw myself at six, nine, 12, 15, 18, right through to 20, 35, everything was in there. I was sitting there thinking, because I looked in there for a while before I picked one out, and I'm like, oh my God, look, there's me in Australia Post, there's me when I was at school, there's me, when, oh my God, there's me in a capsule in England, you know? And all these all these memories of everything I had. And, you know, people say to me now, oh, do you remember this when you were five? I don't really have the memory of me at five doing something, but because I died when I was 35, I remember being home, looking in this box and seeing myself when I was five. So now I remember it because I saw it in the box of all my memories. And you call it being home. <clears throat> I do, because it is home. That's where we live. That, you know, you've got to remember our consciousness is eternal. We're only in this um, genetic DNA blubber of 
genes and skin and flesh. We're only in this for a short time. That's our mortality. But then we go home, where, which some people call heaven, etc. But we go to this place where we can stay there forever because it's eternal. But you've got to remember there's no time and space. I was explaining this um, just to someone the other day because they said, oh, when did you just go to and see this, the white tunnel? Yes, I did. Because after I was at my life review, I went into this fog stage again. Sorry, I'm just getting another picture. When I came out of this fog stage, I'm in this room where there's no walls, no floor, no ceiling. In front of me, now she was way off in the distance and she's only tiny like this, but as she walked, she got bigger towards me. So she was getting bigger as she walked towards me. She came up to me pretty angry <laughs> and she said, why are you here? And I said, I don't know. Don't know. What's going on? I don't know where I am. She said, well, you're not supposed to be here. And I said, well, I don't know where here is. Can you explain? She said, look, my name's Karina. I am your great, 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 great grandmother. Did she say her name was Karina? <laughs> my name? <laughs> this is what she, Karina, C-O-R-I-N-N-A. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Amazing. Karina. So she was your so, great, 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 great. Five. Okay. Four. Five. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah. So she told me that she died when she was 36. Now, you've got to remember when I was there, I was 35. Mm. So she was about the same age as me. So we spoke for years in this room with no floors, no ceiling, no walls. There's the picture I drew of us. Okay. Because there's no walls. She said to me at one point when in the conversation, she said, don't you realise if you go into that, you can never go back. And that is, for the people that can't see, it's... Her pointing, she was pointing at the tunnel. See, there's yeah. me just in front of her. Yeah. So she was, she was pointing at the tunnel... Okay. Yeah. And she said, if you go in there, now this was behind me at this point because I didn't see it. So I've turned around and I've seen it. It's un unfathomable is what it was. If you can imagine a wormhole or a vortex spiralling left as well as right at the same time, I could see into it. It was probably about 100, 150 metres that you could walk into it. At the other end was pure white light. So it's the light at the end of the tunnel, which I saw, <clears throat> which is why, I don't know if you can see it, but there's a little white dot there. I see it. That's up the other end, right? That's up the other end. But it's rotating and there's all this energy coming out of it. Like you can see where I've just put all these little things on there coming out of oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see it. <clears throat> energy. Oops, sorry, I'm not holding it. It was, it was energy. The whole thing was energy. So as soon as I look at it, I want to go into it. The way I explain it is like a moth to a light. Yeah. You just get like this, ooh, I'm going there, I'm going there, because you just get drawn to it um, like a magnetic pull. But multiply that by a 1,000 because... 
It just wants you to go in there. It's like sucking you into it. That's what it does. It sucks you into it. And she kept saying, look, if you go in there, you can never go back to your body. You've got to go back. Then she sat there for probably six months telling me all the stuff that I was going to do in my life. She told me I was going to work for the police for 10 years, which I did. She told me I was going to work as a first aid trainer for two years, which I did. She told me of what was going to happen 2020, which is now. Look at us today. So what she said is now coming true. She's told me what's happening in another five years for me. There's a lot there. So she told you about 2020 in terms of world events or your life? One thing that she kept saying to me was, you have to get out of America. You must leave before August. So we got married in August. And I always thought, you know, August is when my immigration is due to be finalised because it's our first year anniversary of our marriage. It's got to be lodged. What happened in September 2001? Mm. 9-11 hit. What a lot of people here in Australia don't know is that when 9-11 happened, the government went around and rounded up all the illegal immigrants. Anyone who was pending to be doing immigration, they were rounded up and deported. They got rid of everybody out of America. Even if you were legally going through the processes as you were. Yeah. That's right, yeah. So, well, if we'd lodged our paperwork in April, in August, I would have been okay. But the reason why I got so sick is because he didn't want to lodge the paperwork. Yeah. He wanted me to be an illegal immigrant over there because he didn't want me to have a green card. He didn't want me. To, he just wanted to blow up Donald, to tell you the truth, sitting in his house all day. That wasn't going to work for me because I'm a thinker and I'm an analyzer, researcher. So, yeah, so she kept saying to me, you've got to get home. Make sure you're out of here by August. Leave America, get back to Australia. So I ended up using his credit card, getting a ticket on the air, on, on an airfare. And I landed back here at the end of June. So it was about a month, six weeks after I woke up. So six weeks after I woke up, I returned to Australia. Mum, in that time, had done our family tree. So I'm sitting in my mum's lounge room. She pulled out this big scroll from Ancestry.com that took up the whole floor with all the who was married to who and how many kids and how many kids each of the kids had. There, four generations back, Karina. She died when she was 25, um, 35 years old. That is so amazing, Linda. I've, I've got that, yes. I've, you know, you hear about stories about what your grandparents do, maybe what their parents, something basic that they did, but for me to sit there with her for probably two years having this conversation where she was telling me so much about who she was, how old she was, etc. It's all stuff I would never have known unless mum pulled out that family tree and said, here is proof that it happened. Definitely. Um, we just don't know about our ancestors going back that far. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she told me so many stories about what she did when she was around, you know, she... She was from England and all the stuff that she did in England. You know, we're going back like five generations back to when my family were in England. But getting back to point, when I woke up from the NDE, I was in ICU. People say, what was the first thing I felt when I was back in this world? 
they were pulling the tube out of my throat, which was, um, it's a light blue hue, sort of like this blue here on my water bottle. Yeah, so very faint, very faint blue, yeah. They're pulling this tube out. And the problem with me is I'm very short-sighted. So this tube that they're pulling out is very clear. Yeah, it's the first thing you don't want to see when you wake up. They're pulling this tube out. So they, they put me into this room where I was by myself. And I'll explain the room. Where my bed was, at the end of my bed was a TV on the other wall. But to my left, it was a window because the bed was against this window. Then as I go to the right from where I was lying in bed, I had a little ensuite with the door into my room. I wake up <laughs> probably two days after I wake up from the cement. And at the end of my bed, there was a chair under the TV because the TV was on the ceiling. On the chair was a lady probably in her 70s or 80s. Standing next to her was a man probably in his 40s. Little girl sitting on the floor playing with a Labrador dog. So I'm just watching, you know, I'm just woken up. I'm just watching and listening to these people at the end of my bed thinking, who are you? Why are you in my room? This nurse walks in and she says, how do you feel? And I said, I actually feel good. I'm just listening to these people talk. And so she's looking at the chair, looking at me, looking at the chair. And she said, who's here? And I said, old lady, the man, the dog and the little girl. And she said, Linda, there's nobody here. This is your room. So I just casually turned to this man standing there and I said, look, can you let her know you're here? Can you bang on the window? So I've got my glass door here, but I'll just use my iPad. So he turns to the window and he goes like this on the window. The whole, you know when you hit a window and it like vibrates? Yeah, it, it rattles, yeah. This nurse runs out of the room. Poor I never people. saw her again. <laughs> and who were those people? I have no idea. You don't know who they were? Just other people in hospital. What's it like with me in hospital? I don't like just going to hospital for an appointment. Because I've learnt now, if I've got, say, a one o'clock appointment at a hospital, I've got to be there at 11 because so many people as I walk in want to talk to me. Yeah, classic, yes. There's people there in gown, you know, the hospital gowns. There's those ones walking around. There's ones in their own pyjamas with their slippers on. You've got people dressed in, like, their um, track pants and T-shirts holding their suitcase that they had while they're in hospital. Most of them don't really know that they're dead, which is the sad part of it but classic example if i go over to um qe2 hospital which i've been to many times visiting other people etc you go into an elevator and as you as the elevator doors open up in the wards there's four deep of a crowd of people just looking to see if it's their relatives coming to pick them up so occasionally I do say, you know, if they look at me and I look at them and then they look at me like, you can see me, <laughs> that look again, apprehensions to hope stuff. So. You know, I have had a couple of chats with them, 
you know, I say, oh, look, do you want to take a seat and I'll explain what's going on with you or whatever. But most times they're not interested in me because they're still waiting on the relative to turn up. Yeah, they just sit and wait, which is so unfortunate for them. You know, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Linda, I just want to backtrack a little bit just to make sure we haven't missed anything. So in terms of your NDE, where we left it was your ancestor, Karina, pointing to the tunnel saying, if you go back in there, you can't, sorry, if you go in there, you can't come back. You can't go back to your body. So then you didn't, yeah, you didn't go in there and then you woke up. That, That tunnel was the reincarnation tunnel. Ah, you were going to explain more about that, yeah. Yeah, so if you go into that tunnel, it's where we now create a new life contract and then we get reborn into a new body. So if you look at the different areas that I went to, the fields with all the flowers, the mountains, the buildings, all these people, animals, trees, etc., that's heaven. But if we decide, because it is all free will, if we decide to reincarnate, you go into this room where there's tunnels and you go through that tunnel and then you can be born again into a new lifetime. So people say to me all the time, how can my mum come and visit me from heaven if she's reincarnated? Because this is where it gets so confusing again trying to understand that there is no time and no space. I can stand here for one second, but in that one second before I go into that tunnel, I can go back and live a lifetime of being a spirit checking on my daughter because there's no time. Yes. Three centuries can be a second. Fourteen days can be the equivalent of millennia. So people get confused when they say, how can my mum come and visit me if she's being reincarnated? Because once you remember that there's no time and no space, you don't just reincarnate into the next year when you were born because the years are only because of our Earth orbiting around the sun. That's how we get time, seconds, days, weeks, etc. But... When we're home, we can reincarnate to any year we want. Ah. So we can effectively be our grandparents, then we can be ourselves, and the next time you reincarnate, you can be the great-great-grandparent from 10 generations back. So just put it into perspective from today. Let's just say today, this morning I died, I go to heaven, I reincarnate, I'm not born now in 2020. I can be born in any year that I wish to learn my lesson from. And could you be born as somebody that's not attached to your DNA? Like, could you be born in Tudor times in England, you know, as Anne Boleyn's lady in waiting? (laughs) You know, one of the things that I've studied is what's called um, genetic memories. It's a lot of debate. And just for your viewers to give them a little heads up in what genetic memories are, I do life life regressions on people, past life regressions. I've had it done on me. So with reincarnation you and past life regression is going into past lives that we've had and you remember memories. But what they talk about with this consciousness 
is because I was once an egg within my mother's womb, her consciousness was transferred to me when I was connected to her in the womb. The same as my mum to her grandmother, to her grandmother, to her grandmother. So is it, a, a, is it really a past life regression or am I just remembering memories that were instilled with me through the DNA process of being in the womb to other people in my past history? Very good question. And the other thing you, said, you saw in your NDE was that we're all connected and we're connected to nature as well. So that's right. We are all yes. a family in a way. <laughs> that's right. You know, if we only reincarnate into human form, why are there trees in heaven? Why are there animals in heaven? They have souls. They have feelings. You know, they don't have the logical thought processes, etc., of our intelligence. But every living life form can be reincarnated into whatever you want. So people ask me all the time, what do we do as a life contract? Next time I want to come back as a millionaire. I'm sick of, I don't, I'm sick of being poor. I want to come back as rich. That's not going to work because in heaven, money doesn't matter. Financial situations is only what's created in this three-dimensional world that the government mostly has created for that our citizens have to abide by. So when we go home, what is important is our love, unconditional love. So I just did a post this morning, which I'd like to read out because I'm in a few near-death experience groups. And I took a photo of it because I felt that it was going to be important to share with you today. So this lady this morning, she asked a question which basically said, what is important in heaven. So this is my response on Facebook this morning. I said, honey, you are right. We are put here to have emotions. However, those emotions of grief, trauma, belief, disbelief, etc., they simply do not exist in home. Therefore, to answer your question, here is another question. How do we unconditionally love all unless we are put into situations where we must love unconditionally. This existence is a lesson for us in appreciation, gratitude and acceptance. We cannot love someone or something unless we value what that love is. So obviously we are put into serious appalling situations to test us to see how we respond or react. Because, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm sick of this life, I'm, I'm, I haven't got money, I'm, I'm struggling day to day. But at the end of it, that doesn't matter at home. It's what's in here is what matters. How we treat others, how we reflect, like through that mirroring effect, which is in my book, Heal to Success. If you want to create heaven on earth, it's not about how rich you are. You know, you look at Jesus. I personally say to people, Jesus was nothing more than an un, unemployed, homeless vagrant. He didn't have any possessions. He worked as a carpenter, but I doubt he earned money from it because he did it from the goodness of his own heart. He'd go around and people would welcome him in, give him accommodation and feed him. He was a homeless guy. Yeah. So why do we now judge homeless people yeah. when that was Jesus? So you know, money doesn't mean a thing in heaven. 
What does matter is how much we love everything. So how do we know if we love things unless we're put into tests or situations where we've got to accept and not judge? So the so challenges are for us to, to remember love. That's right. To what extent can we remember where we're from, home, <clears throat> and bring that love through? So you hear Hard that saying. Yeah, you hear Absolutely. that saying. Absolutely. Life has so, for us, not to us. That's right. That's right, darling. And I love how you said that. Life happens for us, not to us. Because ultimately, we're going to go home unless you stay earthbound and stay a ghost. But ultimately, most, you know, 80% of people do go home. They don't stay earthbound. But when we do go earthbound, we've got to, we've got to, when we do our life review and we understand what we've done that's harmed others or abused others or even being sarcastic to someone else, it gives us better understanding of the, what does love mean. So mm -hmm. then we go into like high, um, what do we call them? Ascended masters, spirit guides. Now, so many people have different ideologies of what those two words mean. But because I've been home and I've seen the different levels of consciousness up there, um, you know, they say that there's seven or nine different layers of heaven. heaven. You know, the, the more conscious you are, the higher you go up. And it is true. Ascended masters are people because they are just people who have been here so many times in each existence where they unconditionally love and accept everything that happens in their life. Am I one of them? My neighbours swear and scream at each other all morning. I sit out the back, oh, oh, I send you love, I send you love. But at the end of the day, I still do judge them. Why are you screaming at each other? Why aren't you feeding your kids? Why are they playing in the, you know, why have you let them live in the street? But ultimately, if you do want to be heaven on earth and get up through these layers of heaven to be an ascended master, we've got to absolutely understand what love is all about. Love is not about just how we feel towards our partner or our children or our parents or our co-workers. It's all about within because if we can't love ourselves first how the hell can you love somebody else if you don't know who you are what your hobbies are what you don't like and what you do like how can you then go and get a boyfriend and expect him to be the white knight of the shining horse or the shining knight on the white horse and save you from the dismal of life that you're existing so that's why I went into psychology. That's why I wrote this book called Heal to Success because so many people come to me for readings and the first question they ask is, actually, let's just put it there, Karina, what question do you think I commonly get asked when people come for a reading? They might say, when am I going to find love? Does he love okay. me? Oh, I think my husband's sleeping around. Does he love me? So I say to them, how much do you love yourself first? And they go, what do you mean? So I do simple psychology, um, psychology tests with people. I don't want you to answer them, but the questions I ask people are, what's your favourite colour? 
What's your favourite number? Do you prefer night or day? What's your favourite animal? If we truly know ourselves, we know the answer. My favourite colour is red. I wear it every day. My favourite number is nine. There's no hesitation because I know myself. I'm a day person. Day people are generally socialisers. They like interaction. They like communicating. Night people are generally our people who like their isolation. They like their, they analyse things because they like being alone to think. So once you understand, okay, whether I'm a day person or a night person, then you understand your own true self. And that's what it all comes down to, our own true self. Because ultimately we are part of this ginormous oneness of the universe. But if we're truly going to make this work where we don't have to keep coming back here and learn lesson after lesson after lesson, if we seriously do want to stay in heaven, you've got to understand yourself first. Love yourself. Understand who you are, what you want, and don't expect another person to supply it for you, you know? You look at my parents, the first thing they said to me when I turned 18 is, go get a boyfriend, get married, have kids, because that was the generational dictatorship of that era. Now, though, when people are saying, oh, you know what, I don't really want to get married, I don't want to have kids, the first thing people say is, what's your problem? Why don't you want to get married? You know, I've been married, I've been single, I've been married three times. Tashi's dad was the last marriage that I had after I came back from America. I've been happily single now for seven years and I tell you what, the self-analysis of myself that I've done, the discovery of myself that I've done, which makes us complete in ourselves. So when people come to me for advice, they know I'm giving them psychological, scientific and spiritual proof of how to make their existence better without having to rely or expect someone else to fix all their problems for them. Yeah, so I, you know, it it sort of irks me how many people out there will come to a psychic and say, does he love me? Will my marriage make it? So I return it and I say to them, what are you doing to make it work? Because so many people do not take self-responsibility for their actions. And karma, when we do that life review, and we see what it's like to be a screaming witch at somebody where you're now getting inflicted with all that sarcastic abuse, I tell you what, it's not nice because it's tenfold. You know, I yeah. saw some of my memories, which are private. You know, I, 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 if I say some, hello, there was zillions in there. I picked up probably a couple of thousand of them. So I psychoanalyzed my own life. But I'll tell you what, Tom, <clears throat> one thing I do know now I can't even stand on an ant. Hmm. I can't kill spiders. When my plants are looking wilted, I run out with the water and say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I forgot to water you today. Because I know that they're all conscious beings themselves. Everything has a right to live. Everything has a right to live. We all have free will. We all make our own decisions. Ghosts and spirits, it's their free will if they want to come to us, which is where I will not do psychic medium shows because they, that puts the onus of responsibility onto me to perform, because that's what it is, it's a live performance, like John Edwards. You must get the spirits or ghosts coming through 
or else the audience doesn't get what they pay for. Mm -hmm. Because it's the ghost and the spirit's free will whether they turn up and it's up to them what information they give. I have had some activity here today. It happens yeah. every day. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I've seen a bit of it and felt and he heard yeah. it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Do they come through and say, hey, this is Joey. I died in 1928 or whatever. No, it's their free will whether they come through and tell me who they are and what they are. Mm -hmm. But as long as they respect me, as long as they... You know, they're happy to let me do what I do in this house and they don't hurt my daughter. They're happy to stay. Yeah. But Linda, let's um, tie up this string of your NDE. So oh. you, you came back. What, was, what happened to you physically to make you so sick to put you in clinical death for 14 minutes and in a coma for nine days, was it? What happened? Well, you know, you say to people that I was clinically dead for 14 minutes. Now, I know a lot of nurses, a lot of doctors that I've spoken to over the years, and they say generally in um, medical terms, three years, I'm sorry, three minutes of clinical death, you get brain damage. How do you explain me at 14 minutes? People say, oh, yeah, Linda's weird, but that's what comes when you do have a high intelligence, unfortunately. So that's the first thing that I want to debunk here is, you know, people will say, oh, yeah, 14 minutes um, clinically dead, no brain damage, no damage to my kidney, liver, lungs, etc. How does it work? So how does it work? Hello, three years ago I was diagnosed with a brain tumour. I've had five MRIs. The first two, it was there. The third one, they said it may be there because that's when I started doing my own energy work. I've had two since and there's no brain tumour. You know, you talk to a brain surgeon, brain tumours do not dissolve. They do not go away because there's no oxygen in the skull to make them dissolve. So where did my brain tumour go? How do you explain that? So that's the first thing I put to people when they say, oh, 14 minutes clinically dead. So how has my life changed since I woke up? Um, getting back to your question. Sorry, yes, and, and what was, that's all right. And what was the sickness that put you in that state? What was the physical condition? Well, I was stressed, obviously, yeah. massively stressed. I don't know if you've seen it a few times today, but I do get a tissue and I wipe my left eye. My ex-husband actually hit me quite severely in the left side of my temple the night before I passed. Oh. I woke up with a, I woke up, everything was like triple vision. Um, I know I had a concussion, so... Between that, the stress of doing immigration where I knew that I was going to be an illegal immigrant, the fact that I also had a head cold, there was an accumulation there of what, why I died. You know, it wasn't like I had a heart attack that's, hello, how easy would it be to say that? You know, oh, yeah, I had a heart attack. Everyone yeah. knows what it is, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, it was an accumulation of stress with me. And I think in hindsight, with my trust that I have in them, them, capital T, I think they deliberately did what they did. So I would start doing what they wanted me to do. I'm not egotistical. I'm, not, I'm very humbled by what I've got. But at the end of the day, you know, I've got to compare myself, which is an awful thing. I don't like comparing. But, you know, I've been to other live psychic medium shows. I've been to other psychics. A lot of them do use psychology. You know, they'll pick the oldest person in the room and say, oh, I've got your grandfather here. Well, his grandfather would be like 180 years old if he was still alive. Of course, he's passed. 
Right. You know, so I like giving people confirmations. I like getting names, finding information for them. Because ultimately, the, at the end of the day, what I want to do now is um, the universe has now put me into a position where I don't have to work. Thank God I'm retired. Income for me comes and goes. I don't care about money side of things. But now I'm just so passionate about getting out the word because, you know, one in four has now got mental health. How many are undiagnosed with their stresses and anxieties? And you've got to remember here, the main reason why stress and anxiety occurs is that we're either comparing our present situation to what we've had or what we want, and it's our expectations. Anxiety is based on future events where we manifest what it's going to do tomorrow. So, of course, you get scared of things that are going to turn up. Hello, we're only mortal. But this near-death experience at the end of the day, it taught me to just allow and accept things. Don't worry about things. Because in the bigger picture, this existence isn't about earning money to pay our rent. It's more about the life lessons of learning emotions like compassion, love, forgiveness, understanding and acceptance. It truly comes down to loving thy neighbour as thy would thyself. Straight from the Bible. You know, heaven is our Bible. You've got to look at the scriptures. Like I've read the Bible probably 28 times in my life. Um, I've read past, past versions of the Bible. I've actually found a version of the fifth edition that came out in like the 1300s. I've read that, which is all the thys and the thous. Um, Difficult. (laughs) It's hard to understand. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you've got to remember here what is the guts of the story. You know, I say to people common, I say to people all the time, you know, I'm a middle-aged woman, I've got teeth trouble, I wear glasses, blah, blah, blah. This is my quote that I love telling people. Don't look at the face telling the words. Listen to the words coming out of the face. Mm-hmm. And when you say it like that, you know, don't worry if I've got a raspy voice. Don't worry if you see a photo of me and you think, oh, God, she's an old woman in her 50s. You know, she's a nut job. Listen to what I write, you know. Listen to how I explain things because at the end of the day, what we look like doesn't matter has nothing to do with it the more we spend doing our physical appearance the less we're looking after our inside Mm. so you know i walk up to the shops and i see people with their fake nails and their 200 dollar hats and their you know they've got tattoos over themselves when we go home all that stuff doesn't matter you know it really doesn't matter You know, it is nice that we do look after our physical bodies. You know, our bodies are our temples, you know, so we feed it well, we dress it well, etc. But at the end of the day, the word materialistic, if you look at somebody who's materialistic, where they have to put on that persona to have people judge them by what they look like, the less they're looking after what truly, eternally matters. You've got to look at the emotional love, the compassion, the understanding, forgiveness. And that's um, very so compelling putting... coming from you because, as you've said, 
you've you've experienced some challenges you just you know told us a little bit about being in a you know with domestic violence suffering domestic violence so for you to be able to spread this word of compassion and and forgiveness and unconditional love is is very powerful considering your story i am very transparent with my history i was a very sick kid my first husband he used to verbally abuse me my family I can't tell you about the abuse there. My second wet marriage, he killed me for damn sake. The sheriff came and saw me in a hospital. He wanted to charge him for attempted murder. I said, no, I'm getting out of here. And he said, what, you don't want to charge him? And I said, no, I don't want to hurt him just because he's hurt me. I cannot do grudges. My third husband, we broke up because of all the trauma, etc. that I was had with the police, which I don't really want to talk about. When I left the police, I turned into an alcoholic. I was a gambler. I had suicidal thoughts where I knew how fast to travel the car, how much skid road I'd need, how much to turn the vehicle to hit a tree. To be into that sort of state with all those addictions, how did I get from there to here? A lot of people do want to understand about, which is why I studied psychology and became a life coach ultimately to help other people get through what I did. But at the end of the day, if you don't love yourself, you will deteriorate mentally. If we don't have a job that we love, if we don't have friends that we love, if we don't have family that we love, you know, I go there with family. Do I talk to my family? They live six houses away in the next street. That's my mum and dad. And my sister and her husband are four houses down from them. I hardly ever see them. Because I allow them to do what they want and they allow me, non-judgmental, to be themselves. But when we're together, we can't work each other out because there's so much fear and (laughs) misconceptions Mm. of what I do. So I allow them, they allow me. And it's only then that you understand I allow. I'm not judging. I just accept. So that's basically what I want to get the word out to people. So, you know, people, the common people, the common questions people ask me are, does he love me? So as a psychic, I say, well, why don't you start working on you, you know, help yourself first before you ask him to love you first. The second thing people say is about ghost stories. So I wrote Ghost Exposed. It's virtually an educational book about how to see ghosts i've got some really cool ghost photos in there it explains what ghosts are to what spirits are where do we go i've got a map in there about all the different options that we get i've written ghosts i'm sorry heaven exposed is my near-death experience book then i've also got heal to success now that book alone just took me three years to write it because i talk about the science behind why we stay in routines why it's so hard to change our habits like addictions Why does it take so long to get through that sort of trauma from childhood? So I've gone into the psychology. I've gone into the science. I've gone into the spiritual side of if you do want to pick yourself up and be a loving person, this is the action that you've got to take. So the whole book's full of exercises. I have a whole section in there about all the negativity, drama queens, screamers and ranters, um, centre of attentioners. What is a centre of attentioner? 
So you're reading this thing and, you, and you've got to like psychoanalyze yourself and say, oh, my God, do I do that? So then I go into the mirroring effect because most of the people that we know reflect what we are. So if you've got a friend who gossips to everyone, guess what? You're probably a gossip too and you don't even know you do it. So it shows you examples of how to get out of all that negativity, how to create heaven on earth ultimately. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and, you know, in order to find out about a reading or to buy your books? Okay. I've got a website, www.lindaray.info. Now, and my Linda name is spelled, spelled... Yeah, sorry, go on. <laughs> yep. I commonly say, why did my mum put the Y in there? <laughs> so it is L-Y-N-D-A-R-A-E.info. That's where you can go to um, buy my books. I've also got a link on there now if you want to buy a reading. So I've got Skype now and Zoom. So I can do Skype and Zoom or email if you want to send me photos. I'm also on Facebook, Linda Ray, L-Y-N-D-A-R-A-E. But I've also just last week started a new group. It's called Doctor because, hello, I've now got my PhD. Congratulations. It's called Dr. Linda Kramer Paranormal, D-R-L-Y-N-D-A-C-R-A-M-E-R Paranormal. That's that's me on um, Facebook. And that's a public, it, a, it sounds like it's a public page. It's a closed group oh, so good. I can moderate it because sure. I'm, in a, I'm in a lot of near-death experience groups, etc., and you do get the trolls on there. So I want to keep it quality information. I do, on that, on that page, Dr. Linda Kramer Paranormal, I'm doing um, videos every day. I did one just before I started talking to you this morning. Topics like do ghosts do a life review? Sage your house, does it get rid of ghosts? So they're informative videos that I'm going to start doing every day. Yep, so I've got them started. I'm also going to start a YouTube channel probably in the next few weeks. So that'll be advertised on my Facebook as well as on my website. Yeah, so that's how people can find me. I live in Browns Plains, which is south of Brisbane. Um, yeah, so I don't mind having people at my house. They can come in and try and find a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be joining you on that paranormal group. I'll find it on Facebook and ask yes, you. I'm yeah. sure you'll get lots of our audience today wanting to join as well. So what a compelling story, Linda. It is absolutely just fascinating and, and I know that there's so much that we could continue talking about but we'll be talking until the night time if we go on so I'm just going to have right. to get you back on the show uh, yeah. you begin to get the word out and I'm very privileged that this is kind of the beginning of you doing that now you know at this point in a more public way after your books so thank you for speaking with me but before we go today, is there any last takeaway that you want to leave our audience with? Ooh, takeaways. Yeah, stay tuned. Stay mm. tuned. Because why did it take me 54 years to start doing this? Now I've started, it's going to get bigger. You know, it's not just about me. I want to hear other people's stories. I want to hear other people's experiences. I want to see their photos and videos. So join my Facebook group, Dr. Linda Kramer Paranormal. 
start sharing this because the more that we know, the more we grow. Ultimately, you know, the more we realise what our consciousness is, what we're capable of, the sooner we start getting this, the globe at the moment, look at all this weirdness going on. The only way we're going to get truly out of this is to start loving each other and start appreciating what is out there. Don't be fearful of the unknown. That's another little thing I like saying. Don't be fearful of the unknown. Take it as an opportunity to develop and grow yourself. Okay? That's, a, yep, that's a great message to end on. If we can eradicate fear and increase love, that's it. That's right. Did you see that flash just then? as well i saw that one that was i saw a big that one. one it was like yeah, yeah that was a big I one i just saw that yeah <laughs> fascinating fascinating oh good darling well. about increasing love so thank you i'd like to thank you know your guides and the angels that have been there and mine they've been i think hanging Absolutely. <laughs> thank you so much linda and i think we'll make a time to have you back next year perhaps to see what's happening with you because it's it's yeah. very exciting thank you so much for absolutely spirit sisters today thank you so much for having me and i hope everybody has a lovely day thank you for listening to spirit sisters the podcast based on my best-selling book of the same name i really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels in the meantime please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Mm-hmm.